in education. Uh, let's start again because they see that we just started recording. Hold on. We're going to do this the right way on No Dumb Questions. We are going to introduce you the right way as what I believe is the most courageous man in education today. Um, we are pleased to um, welcome Dr. Kevin James, the president of Morris Brown, the newly accredited Morris Brown. Am I correct? That is correct, sir. What in God's name made you decide to be the president of Morris Brown College? Well, you just said it, God. Uh, he sent me. I was, literally, I was literally at my house watching the news, and I saw on the news where my predecessor resigned, retired. And I literally said out loud, oh, my God, I want to be the next president of Morris Brown College. And I immediately picked up the phone. And I called the sixth district of the AME church. And this was after hours. This is probably six o'clock. And the way that God worked it out was the chairman of the board's assistant answered the phone. And two complete strangers, we talked on the phone for 35, 45 minutes. And at the end of that conversation, she said, send me your resume. I'm going to put it directly in the chairman of the board's hands. And about a month later, I got an interview Three interviews later, I was named interim president of Morris Brown College. A year later, I was named permanent president. And uh, I believe that God sent me to do this work. People told me I was nuts. What in the world are you doing? That's never been done before. Give it up. They've been trying 20 years. But I believe that dead bones can live again. So the reason why I said what in God's name would make you decide to take on the daunting responsibility yes of being the president of the oldest black founded um, HBCU in Georgia. Yeah, the only actually. <laughs> How about that? How about that? The only, yeah. The only black founded. And I think people don't realize that when, when we're talking about HBCUs, we think of HBCUs in their current context where they're black on black on black on black. Yes. And we think of them in the context of there are black students on campus and there appear to be black administrators and they were founded by black people. Morris Brown was actually founded by black people, a, a free yes. black man. Yes, yes, yes. Former slaves. Former uh, slaves. Back in 1881. And the way that it happened was a group of Clark College, now known as Clark Atlanta University, a group of Clark College trustee members approached Big Bethel AME Church, which back then was known as the Black City Hall. Anything black in Atlanta went through Big Bethel AME Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church. And they approached the leadership there and said, can we use your church for classroom space? And they were having the conversation in the in the in the room, in the boardroom there. And one Stuart Wiley stood up and said, well, uh, Bishop, if we're going to allow Clark College to use our church as classroom space, why don't we just start our own black college, our own college? And the bishop thought about it for a second. He stood up and said, you know what, with the help of God, we can and we will. Hence the beginning of the, the idea, the spark of the idea of founding our own black college. And so Morris Brown College was birthed through the AME Church. Uh, one thing a lot of people don't know is the former, the, the original name was Morris Brown College of the AME Church, uh, but then became Morris Brown College, then Morris Brown University, then back again, Morris Brown College. And so we've been in existence for 141 years, educating uh, students, 
the uh, leaders of the city of Atlanta, uh, leaders in the state of Georgia, this region and this country. And again, a lot of people said that, you know, it was impossible us rebounding, but we were able to do it under this administration. We're going to bring people into what is can feel like an inside baseball conversation. So President James took on the responsibility two years ago. To three years. Become, three years, my bad. Three, three years. years ago to become the president of Morris Brown College. You think, well, what's so big about that? Well, one thing is that Morris Brown lost its accreditation, um, which means a lot as colleges go. You don't need to be an academician to understand that schools are accredited, meaning that they are given um, the latitude to operate. And when they're accredited, it presents them with opportunities to receive money from places like the federal government to offer student loans, um, some level of, of uh, construction, uh, any of the supports that are necessary that most of the colleges that you know receive. So uh, Dr. James um, picked up the mantle after yet another president left because of whatever reasons, and why that's important is because Morris Brown has not had its accreditation for 20 years. Yes. And in the 20 years, they've gone from 2,000 students, which is a good size, small school. To Actually, about 3,000. <laughs> okay, okay. About 3,000. At one point. Yeah. Down to 50. Overnight. <laughs> so, you know, when brother, you lose access to federal financial aid, when you lose access to uh, accreditation, uh, you lose access to federal financial aid. And our students... Probably about 90 to 93 percent of them at that time were pale, were uh, Pell eligible students, but depended on federal financial aid. So they couldn't pay. So Pell eligible students, for those people who don't know, as for those are the students who are the lowest income in America. Yes. So when uh, President James is saying that 90 percent of his uh, students were Pell eligible, he's saying 90 percent of his students were among the poorest students in America. And for them to lose access to Pell grants as you may know them, or other forms of federally backed financial aid, student loans, for instance, school, staying at Morris Brown is a, it's just not going to happen. So talk to us, the most courageous man in higher education. How on earth did you and your team turn this around? Yeah. Well, when I came in, I knew that we had to do something different. I literally... My first day on the job, I said, bring me all the bills. We hadn't paid our bills in two years. I said, OK, well, how are we with payroll? The employees were six paychecks behind. Right. And I just said, oh, my God, what did I just walk myself into? And so I knew very early on that we had to do something different. We had to create some kind of business model that would bring revenue to the institution. And I had to create a, 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 a momentum to get people to believe in what we were doing. A lot of people loved Morris Brown, but most people, most people thought that it was just we were just wasting our time. And so uh, I was literally walking around my campus talking out loud to God. God, help me. How am I going to do this? And I heard use what you got. And so I said, you know what? We got three things that no other school has location, 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 downtown Atlanta, literally directly across the street from the brand new one point nine billion dollar Mercedes Benz Stadium. And so this idea came to me about creating a business at Morris Brown. 
Um, I, I thought about what was our top academic program back in the day. It was hospitality management. Mm. And I said, wow, I know what I'm going to do. We're going to build our own hotel at Morris Brown College, tie that into a, a business model where it's revenue coming to the institution. We build a hotel at the school and the students work in the hotel. Pitched the idea to my chairman of the board. He said, that's a pretty good idea, but you got to get that through the board of trustees. At the board retreat, I pitched the idea, a lot of back and forth. At the end of four hours of debate, unanimous vote, go build your hotel. And so if you Google Morris Brown College Hotel, you'll see that we just partnered with Hilton Hotel to build a $30 million hotel, 150-room hotel here on the campus of Morris Brown. Uh, the basement floor will be classroom space for our students literally working inside that hotel. And we're going to be a, a direct pipeline of black and brown students into hospitality management, specifically at Hilton Hotels and other uh, organizations throughout this country. Uh, that was just one thing. But the major component uh, of, of idea that I had to do was to get people to believe. So we started this campaign called The Hard Reset. Um, and basically, I stole that from my pastor. It was a sermon title that he preached on uh, resetting your cell phone, like resetting your life. But he used this analogy of resetting your cell phone. You know, if something going kind of wonky with your phone, you could do a soft reset, just reboot it. But if you needed to wipe that whole thing clean, you do what's called a hard reset and you can start anew. And that's what Morris Brown had to do. So, to, you know, a lot of people say, well, how did you do this? Um, really, in my book, when I write it, I'm going to talk about how we galvanize the community to believe this hard reset using social media. So I strategically on a daily basis post three to five times a day, not about what I'm going to do, but look at what I did today. So today when we hang up here, I'll say, hey, everybody, guess what? I just got out of a meeting with Steve Perry, you know, phenomenal educator. And we talked about Morris Brown and people buy into not what they hear, but what they saw. And so we started to get this train moving, got the momentum started. And ultimately, that's how we were able to get people to believe in what we're what we're doing. History will say that there was no major um, donation from the Robert Smiths of the world or, you know, we didn't get any of the COVID relief monies. We didn't get any major 20 million dollar gift, 30 million dollar gift, 50 million dollar gift. Three reasons the school is open. God. The alumni, the, alum, the alumni and the AME church. And so we did this grassroots movement of being able to build Morris Brown College back. And I'm very, very happy to say that we did it. This is just the beginning as we continue this hard reset. How many students are there now? Today we have 70 students, which doesn't sound like a lot to many. But in 2019, my first semester, we had 20. So we tripled the enrollment during a global pandemic without accreditation and without federal financial aid. Now that we have accreditation in federal financial aid, in this last week, we've received hundreds of applications. Well, I got some, I'm sure I'm gonna send down to you as well. Send them on. So you now are overseeing a multi-million dollar organization steeped in history, both good and bad. You talked about the hard reset. What is it that you say to the secretary who's six paychecks behind to get her to believe? You know, it's interesting. And this is why I say we have the best alumni, faculty and staff in the world. 
I didn't have to say anything. That person had already been here for 20 years during bankruptcy, during mm. rain, during flood, during snow, during fire. I mean, everything. And they were still here with a smile. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe the amount of people who were here during mm. all of that turmoil and did not want to go anywhere. And they were here with a smile on my first day on the job. And so I didn't, say, I didn't have to say much to that person. Well, who I had to say a lot to were the people outside the doors to believe that what we were doing was possible. Who's supporting you from a business perspective? Let me be more specific. You need systems. Um, you One of the knocks against many HBCUs, if we're just going to be frank, yes, is that whether it's from a student's perspective, feeling like they don't get the services that they would at a predominantly white institution, otherwise known as a PWI, Yes. Feeling like the facilities are substandard, uh, feeling like registering for class or or just getting what many people at college just expect as normal. That's a knock against many HBCUs. Let's just yes. call it what it is. It's, whether fair or not, it is what word on the street is um, when I'm. All of our children have to apply. All children at Capital Prep have to apply to HBCUs. That's just not everyone. Period. Yes. Even if you're white, yes. you go to Capital Prep, you will apply to at least one HBCU. That being said, there are some rumors that are true. And one of them is that it is too often the case that when our kids make their way on the HBCU campuses, they do find themselves up against really just operational issues. I mean, Howard just a wash with operational issues. Yes. Making sure they're they're one of the richest HBCUs in the country, by the way. Yeah. This (laughs) this is my point. How are you building the systems to make sure that if you accept 50 kids, you have 50 dorm rooms, Uh, that you accept 50 kids, you have three meals a day for at least 50 kids that you have enough courses for them to take. Talk to me about how you're getting the systems. That's what I'm asking. Who's helping you from a business and operations perspective to make sure that if I send my kid down there, he's not calling me back on some, man, they ain't got no classes. My classes don't start on time. Professors come when they want to come. Talk to us about that. Yes. This hard reset is not just a mantra. It's not just a saying. It's what we had to do. And so I was able to galvanize and build a very, very good team. One of my top priorities was governance, making sure that we had the right uh, people in place to be able to overlook and or create these process procedures and systems. Give us and an I example of that. I, the best example I can give is our finances. I hired the best CFO in the world who just so happens to be an alum, a 1994 alum of Morris Brown College, CPA, Shermanita Carter. We came in, if you could have seen our financial operations, um, you know, my, my first day on the job, we hadn't completed an audit in four or five years. Right. 2019, we hadn't done an audit since 2015. And so for her to come in and galvanize that financial operations to be able to get us through our audits, to be able to get everything up with with systems, payroll. Who are we going to use? You know, uh, operational procedures for when it's time to get our federal financial aid and title for funding back. What bank are we going to work with? You know, how are we going to make payroll? Are we going to have automatic deposit? Are we going to do paper checks? I mean, my first day on the job, we were still doing paper checks, right? So um, 
being able to get the right team in place to help me. I can't be everywhere. I can't do everything. Um, I hired a new provost. I hired a new vice president of enrollment, a, a new CFO. I just hired a new associate VP of uh, financial aid. Just hired last week a new uh, department chair of business. And right now interviewing to uh, hire a new department chair of psychology, general studies, and music. So our entire academic leadership team, the hard reset, is being completely redone. And so being able to get into a position where we raise enough money <laughs> to be able to pay these people appropriately and effectively uh, wasn't easy, but we've been able to do it. And again, now that we have our Title IV funding, now we can get uh, support from the government, financial aid, being able to apply for different grants and the like, we are now in a position to take this institution to the next level. What is it that concerns you going forward? Um, growing too quickly. Now that I told my leadership team, I said the worst thing that we could do is create history, get all of these process procedures and everything in place. And to your point, we enroll 50 people and don't have 50 places for them to live. Or we enroll 50 people and don't have 50 meal plans uh, for them to eat. So growing too quickly, we're going to grow at a steady pace. And the, and the reason why I say that is because we are the most affordable HBCU in Atlanta. What's your in tuition? In the Atlanta University Center. What's okay? your tuition? $42.50 a semester. And now, do you have housing? We don't have housing on our campus, but we do have housing through partnership with the ITC right next door, the Interdenominational Theological Center. So okay. they have How's the dorms. How many? Well, uh, hundreds of dorm rooms for students, not to mention we're in downtown Atlanta and we've partnered with the apartment complexes and other housing around the institution, literally within a four block radius. So we're gonna be fine when it comes to housing. Uh, we've partnered with Clark Atlanta University for food services where our students can eat in their cafeteria. Because a lot, one thing a lot of people don't realize is we lost everything. Well, not everything. We lost a lot, most, during bankruptcy. $35 million bankruptcy. And so um, I don't really like the word commuter school, but basically we're going to be a historical black college um, that doesn't have dorms or a cafeteria, but yet we offer all of those services where students can still have that HBCU experience. President James, tell us a bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What sure. leads a man to say, I want to be president of a 50 student, well, 20 student college that is not accredited? Yes. Well, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, the oldest of five children, um, the son of two educators. My mother was a, a teacher school principal, school superintendent. My father was a teacher. They're both retired now. Um, my entire family were all educators. And coming uh, into college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And where'd you I go to school? At, I, I started school at South Carolina State University. Uh, I was a, a music education major only because I didn't know what else to do. I know I love music. I'm a musician. And so I started as a music education major. Once I got into theory, uh, at South Carolina State University, I realized that I did not want to be a music educator. And I changed my major from music education to speech pathology, communication disorders. Transferred to Winthrop University, graduated from Winthrop University, and fresh out of college shortly after September 11th, 
I was jobless. I could not find a job. The first job that I was able to get was teaching at Turner Job Corps in Albany, Georgia, teaching adult students. I was 22 years old and my students were 18, 19. A lot of folks and don't know what Job Corps is. Why don't you tell them what Job Corps is? Job Corps, alternative place where students can go and get their GED, high school diploma and or job training. A lot of kids who've either dropped out of school or stopped out of school. Some of them already have a criminal record. Yes. Um, and some of them are on the verge of getting one. Absolutely. And what was interesting is, like I said, I was only two or three years older than my students. And it was there that I fell in love with working with adult students. And, you know, I, I got into higher education. Uh, one of my mentors worked in higher ed and I asked him, look, how do I get into the, to it? Go and get your, your, your master's degree. So I went to Troy University in Alabama, earned my master's degree in business management and leadership. And then my doctorate degrees in higher education leadership from Nova Southeastern University. And for the last 22 years, I worked in higher education, worked my way up. And uh, God sent me to Morris Brown and the rest is history. Your five-year and 10-year goals are? For Morris Brown College to be the premier HBCU choice in Atlanta, Georgia, that we're educating students, that we're giving them everything that they need to be able to go out into the world and compete and are going to graduate school and be able to compete. Um, that this institution is what we have been for 141 years, a strong haven for all hungry souls. What makes us very unique is that Morris Brown culturally, traditionally has been an institution accessible to all. And let me say that all, and that's who we have been for 141 years. Um, I would say the 10 year goal would be the same that at the 10 year mark that we uh, have expanded our academic profile. Uh, really, I, that's my five year mark, uh, but that we've expanded our academic profile, that we are an institution, a very rigorous institution of quality, as we've already demonstrated, and that we're, again, providing phenomenal educational opportunities to students. So a much more pedestrian question. Will you work to get into NCAA? Will you get dorms on campuses? These things you are these things you're considering? Yes. Um, right now, we believe that through partnership, we're able to meet the needs of all students. Um, we will be looking at building dorms. We will look at expanding academic programs. We will be looking at offering athletic programs. We're going to start very small with athletics that don't require facilities on the campus. Mm -hmm. So soccer, golf, bowling, cross country. We can go away to basketball. Well, we're going to start with those smaller ones first and then look at basketball and football a little, little later down the line. Sure, sure. Well, I want to thank you for being the most courageous man in higher education. Well, thank you. I thank you on behalf of the uh, 70 scholars you do have. Yes. And the thousands who I hope will make their way to your doors. Absolutely. Well, you thank are, you very much for having me. Thank you. I am humbled uh, because I get it. I know what it's like to um, for us to work in the conditions that we work in. And we don't work in the situation you are in. Um, you are on some level redressing the issues of, of those who come before you. And uh, you are outliving the sins of your father, so to speak. You mm -hmm. have to yes, sir. figure out a way to get people to look past your past. 
which I would imagine imagine will be a clarion call to quite a number of Atlantans and people from throughout the country when they see what it is that you're doing at Morris Brown. They'll recognize that here is a place where you are judged for who you will be, not who you were. Absolutely. Be respected for what you put in as opposed to what position you were put in. And Morris Brown, I am pulling for y'all. Please know that I am, I want y'all to win so big that you get to have the last laugh. And then you get to say, I was not the most courageous. I just followed what my heart and God told me to. So I appreciate you sincerely. Keep doing what you're doing. We will send you students. Um, because we always want somewhere where uh, there is someone who loves our kids in the same way that we do. So thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Last thing I just want to say is with us being an AME school, we're giving away five full uh, scholarships to AME church member uh, students. So if you have any students who are AME, we are giving away five full tuition scholarships. So I just wanted to do that last little plug. Look, you, need, you can say that six more times if you need to. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that people here, the brother said that they are giving away five full scholarships to AME members. That's five full scholarships to AME members. That means your child does not have to pay to go to school. Think about that for a second. That's it. It's not so much what name is on your child's diploma or degree. It's the name that they came and put on that degree, meaning that, it's not the name that's at the top that's going to matter. It's the name in that place that says who graduated. So it's what you do with that name that's going to matter most. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us for No Dumb Question. This is the place where we recognize that the smartest person in the room is not the one who has the most answers, but who has the best questions. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Take care. Appreciate you, brother. Hey, man, thank you so 